0: Direct right, snap. Brooks trying to make something happen. He breaks free. And he breaks the field goal. what with a touchdown. Rose looks back side. Caught. Oh. It's a design run for Martinez and a first down. And the ball is up. And apparently it's not been stopped. Brad Hawkins has it. Joy for an egging upset win. And it's good. Hello and welcome to the dorm room dispute talk show. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. Boy, what a week in sports we just had. How about that college football? Down goes Bama to an unranked Texas AM. On top of that, we had a thriller in Austin, Texas. Oklahoma rallies Spencer Rattler, the Heisman candidate to enter the season. He gets benched. Oklahoma rallies knocks off number 25 Texas they stay undefeated and then oh yeah on top of that we also had a thriller up in Lincoln where Michigan keeps its college football playoff hopes alive uh, by surviving Nebraska and then we had Penn State and Iowa that was another barn burner really slugfest there Iowa's punter unsung hero pins Penn State inside the 10-yard line on three separate occasions Gotta love that. They knocked out Sean Clifford, the Penn State quarterback. Uh there's a lot of <laughs> there. Then we had some college or um, some playoff baseball. I mean, don't want to talk about that. I'm a little upset about my White Sox. But before we uh before we get back, we'll get back to college football here, I was up in Lincoln uh for that uh Michigan uh, Nebraska game. So I might be a little biased uh on this end. But uh, I've gotten to a couple different college football stadiums, seen a couple of atmosphere. We went up to Camp Randall, which I was told by some people Camp Randall up in Wisconsin is one of the best night environments to go to. They got their jump around thing there. I'm telling you, whatever Nebraska has with that new uh, thing they're doing with the fourth quarter with Thunderstruck, that knocks jump around out of the park. Jump around doesn't hold a candle to it, it is electric. Uh, the 90,000 people doing the Thunderstruck, and they got the fireworks and the light show going on and whatnot, it's. It's pretty hype, and I that Nebraska team, uh, they're the best four loss team in the country right now. I mean, that doesn't really mean all that much because they got four losses, but they're they're close. I know a lot of people are calling for Scott Frost uh, to lose his job, but he's got those guys playing hard, and I truly believe they can play with almost any team in the country right now, outside maybe Georgia and Alabama. Other than that, I think they can hang tough with any team in the country. They, they may not win, but they they're especially at home. That was a. Uh, They played a hell of a game against a very good Michigan team. Also impressed with Michigan. The quarterback showed a lot of poise in that one and a very tough road crowd. So, uh, you know, the ask is close, but Michigan props to them. Let's get into it. I mean, for college football, going through the top 10 teams here, just going through which teams I think uh, that I was personally impressed by last week, who's... uh, Who's, a, like, who's in a legit contender? Who's not so much? Just going through the top 10 here. Number 10, Michigan uh, State. They had a pretty impressive offensive showing against Rutgers. Rutgers isn't that good of a team. I'll be honest. I don't buy them as much as others do. I think they're a solid team. I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten, though. Uh, I don't even think they're the best team in their half of the division. So, you know, we're, I'm selling my stock on them. Oregon, same way, the Pac-12. They're a very physical team. They're probably going to win the Pac-12. That was a great win against Ohio State, but I think they caught Ohio State at the perfect time. Ohio State, I think, is looking really good. We'll get to them in a second. Michigan, just talked about them a little bit. That's a tough place to play in Lincoln. Now, a lot of people are knocking the Cornhuskers. Like, hey, it was just Nebraska. It's just Nebraska. It's true. But Taylor, Adrian Martinez is a very good offensive quarterback. You look at their offense, they rank in a lot of the top offensive categories in the Big Ten. The defense is also much improved. I think Michigan, to come in there, that was the first game they've lost all season. It's the first interception their quarterback had, or the first game, excuse me, they were trailing in all season. In the fourth quarter, mind you, with an amped-up crowd, uh, the fact that they pulled that one out, I think that was a more impressive win than people realize. Uh, so I am impressed by Michigan. I think they have a shot against Ohio State. I still think Ohio State's the best team in that conference, but they are legit contenders. Penn State, same thing. Uh, I think they actually outplayed Iowa. I think they were the better team for most of that game. Uh, I was not as impressed with Iowa's win as other people were at home, I think, when especially when they knocked out. The quarterback uh, for Penn State, they could have blown that one out a little bit more. So I'm still I'm still buying Penn State. Ohio State, I think, is the best team in that conference. They've really clicked right now. Uh, they look really good. Alabama, not too worried about them. Everyone wants them to drop farther than five. I think they're right where they should be. Texan AM's and no scrub. I know they're unranked, but what are you going to do? Oklahoma, frauds. This team, they don't have a good enough defense, I think. Just watching a game, I saw him play against Nebraska. They let them hang around too much. Tulane even scored off of them a little bit. Now you got the quarterback controversy there. Uh, I don't see that team as a legit contender in the top four. Cincinnati, I don't know really what to make of. Undefeated right there. They're a solid team, so I, I'm kind of wait and see with them. Iowa, I do say, and I bought their win. I think it was a good win against a good team, but I think they got outplayed most of that game. So that's another one, wait and see. I still think Ohio State, and I think even Michigan in that conference, I think those two teams are better than Iowa. I think each of them would beat them in the Big uh, Ten championship game. And finally, got Georgia. Georgia Georgia's just Georgia, they're the best team in the country right now. Um, Now, we also had a lot of news NFL wise in the coaching circle. Uh, let's not forget, I know we had the, the, the John Gruden thing, which we'll get to at the emails where he said some, uh, you know, stuff that's a kind of a no, no, but last week we were off. So I didn't get the chance to talk about urban Meyer, <sighs> which is, this is a case where you have a guy who was successful in college. He had his ego get the best of him. I think he was bored in retirement. His competitive side got the best of him. And he wanted to go take an NFL job as a new challenge. But this is one where it's like, why would you want to take this job? I, I don't understand. Why would they think it's a good idea? College in the NFL, it almost never works out. I don't understand college coaching and leaving programs to go take an NFL job because in college, you got it so much better. You get to pick your talent every year. You go out to recruit. Especially a place like Ohio State where you have all these nice facilities. You're in the driver's seat there. So you're picking all the best talent that you can handpick. You're playing cream puffs every week to tune up the first couple games before your conference schedule. Where in the NFL, there's no, there's no Rutgers to beat up on. There's no Sisters of the Poor in week zero that you're going to kick the crap out of with the 65 point spread. Like it's not like that in the NFL. So I don't understand. Even with the hard problem, like so you leave your retirement and you had a great legacy in college too. You was a winner. You went, you won everywhere you went. You know. Uh, and so, like generally speaking, everyone like Urban I mean, Meyer, great coach. You go to Jacksonville. This is the one. If you're going to come out of retirement, fine, but at least go to a good situation. Jacksonville, not a well-run organization. They're on a 20-game losing streak for a reason. When they inherited the job, they lost 16 or 15 in a row to start off, which is bad enough as it is. I know you're getting Trevor Lawrence there, but there's not a whole lot of pieces, and there's signs showing that, like really, and these cracks kind of showed in college that there's a lack of discipline there altogether. I mean, you saw there was recruiting violations. There, there was smoke with recruiting violations in Florida. And then there was some stuff coming at Ohio State. And you look at Ohio State right now, they're really, it's showing kind of, it's almost an indictment on him because with Ryan Day, I think they're just as good. He picked up right where Urban Meyer left off there. And now Urban Meyer, they're getting embarrassed out there every week. And you have that scandal where. He, he's grinding on a girl in the club or whatever, and he's he married. It's just like a bad look. It's like, what are you doing, man? I, I, the fact that he took out the... Like, I, no one's shocked that this isn't going well, but the lack of judgment he showed and the poor culture they've built around there, it's just like... It's honestly... It's not surprising. <laughs> I mean, it's not college anymore. I think he made a huge mistake coming out of retirement. This is what happens when you let like, guys get the egos, get the best of them. They come out of... you know. Oh, yeah, I can take an NFL job. I was successful all these places. It's like, well, you know, you can't cheat in recruiting here in the NFL. Uh, you don't get to handpick your talent. And, by the way, you don't get to play Rutgers or uh, St. Joseph's or whoever the hell they, they play each week. So, you know, that's what happens there. And I take away from the Raiders situation, John Gruden uh, this week. That was the other big news that broke. You know, the NFL is doing their investigation of the Washington football team. Uh, They're going through some emails. a couple of those from, from John Gruden. Those got released, and, um, you know, he said some stuff that, that – it was funny going through it, too. I mean, you're reading it, and it's like, all right, he's got to be done at this point. And it's like, oh, nope, nope, here's another slur here. Here's another one here, and it just kept going. It was like, oh, Jesus, especially when you got Carl Massif on your team, too. It's like, you know, the NFL is trying to make strides in that, and that's one of the beautiful parts of an NFL locker room is going, and there's a lot of guys from different backgrounds, different cultures, talk different, speak different, whatever. Um, so you can't have that at the head of the locker room. And I know it was some 11 years ago. It's just still, it's, it's, you know, it speaks for itself. You read the emails, it speaks for itself in this day and age. And there's no place for that in in, in this game, especially using that type of language, whether you like Roger Goodell or not. But I think what really was shocking to this, like the fallout from this, just to the football side is how poorly the Raiders are run as well. Al Davis might be one of the worst owners in the NFL. So he had a system where Mike Mayak, he's the general manager there. He had forty-nine percent of the say of the roster decisions. John Gruden had fifty-one. They gave John Gruden a lot of power over there, coming out of the Monday night booth. They hadn't been coaching for a while, which is questionable as it is. But fifty percent, but fifty-one percent of the roster decisions going to John Gruden. Now he's fired, and. Uh, Mike uh, or L. Davis hasn't come out and said anything. They, the only quote he had was some petty stuff about like, oh, ask the NFL. They seem to have all the answers. So he seems very salty about the whole thing. I could tell his heart really wasn't in. Fire Jack; He's just doing it because he had to cover his ass for PR purposes. But they gave the interim head coach, a special teams guy, mind you, he now has 49% of the roster decisions. Which is like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Why wouldn't Mike Mayock get, get the majority of the say there? You're an interim head coach. His main focus all year has been on special teams. Mind you, know, you know, career assistant. You don't even know his name. I don't know his name either. He's just like a nobody, mean, he's the new interim head coach. And he has 49% of the say for the roster decision. So when the season inevitably goes belly up, because it's going to, they're in a tailspin right now. They lost to a pretty bad Bears team. Uh, who are you going to blame for that? You have no way of collecting any data of whose fault it was because you have this stupid percentage thing. That's like running a restaurant, you know, and you're, yeah, the sauce the or whatever. All of a sudden you make him head chef one night. And then it goes poorly. Like, it was like, what do you expect? <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know what the hell that Davis is doing. That's, that's another sign of a poorly run organization. You take a look at Jacksonville and you take a look at the Raiders and you look at the people at the top right there, very ego driven. They think they know everything. And this is what happens. You get results like this. Uh, so that, you know, that's, tough to see there. And I like John Gruden, too. I was kind of upset that that came out. It's like, wow. I, you know, I... Tough to hear. Because you can't root for a guy after something like that. There's no coming back from that. And you know he res- why he resigned, too, because he knew damn well there was worse stuff that was about to come out. That's why he had to get out of there. I mean, they probably... That was probably just the tip of the iceberg. There was probably a lot more than that that they didn't release. That's why he hightailed his way out of there as quickly as he could. Because I think that was going to be... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hate to see it, but, uh, you know, it worked out for the Bears that week, and, uh Yeah. You know, I know Carl Nassib, uh, the the openly gay player for the Raiders, he had to take a week off. He was, uh, you know, wants some mental health breaks. So I, I don't blame him there. And these people trashing him online, you know, like for that, it's like, really, I mean, if you know, Simone Miles is allowed to take weeks off for the Olympics for mental health reasons, like, you know, cut the guy some slack, man. But, uh Going to the NFL or MLB side of things, speaking of a mental health break, let me tell you, that was a brutal week for me and my White Sox. My beloved White Sox, they got their asses handed to them. It was embarrassing. Like, there's one thing to lose to the Astros. The Astros are a very good team. Every part about that series was humiliating. That was an ass-kicking. And they got shown they were completely outclassed by Houston. I mean, the starting pitching, which is supposed to be the strength of that team, they didn't have a guy make it through the fifth inning. I think they had a total of like 12 innings between the starting pitchers, which is unacceptable to begin with there. There's some questionable moves by Tony Larusa midway through. I, I would have used Michael Kopech in game two. Craig Kimbrough, who we traded for, he was terrible. They're already looking to shop him over the offseason, so that was a complete waste of a trade. And you know what really irks me about that, too? They're talking about the Astros and why they're so successful. They don't strike out much. They put the ball in play. You look at the last couple World Series champions and their strikeout rates and how much they, ball, they put the ball in play. It's a lot of teams that make contact. What did Nick Madrigal do really well? He put the ball in play. He made contact. And that's what they traded him for. And on paper, it looked like a good move at the time. But it just didn't work out. So Craig Kimmel got shelled. The offense was lackadaisical. And the one game you do win in Game 3, which, by the way, that was a electric atmosphere there, too. I thought that was really good. Cool. The White Sox fans showed out. That's what... That's what a postseason crowd should look like, and I was watching on the car, my tiny screen. I was watching that, so they they scrape out a wild game three, and then afterwards, Ryan Tapera, which I don't know why. It's already evident that you guys are, you know, the Astros are a better team. Like you know, you're trying to build some momentum, and he says this stupid thing. Oh, you know what? Uh, You know, there's a lot more swings and misses here. And this one, I hate to say it, I was actually on the Astros side. It's like, well, I mean, if you look at it, the White Sox play a lot better at home than they do on the road too like that's not uncommon that was number one uh and number two they scored six runs off of you so it's not like they were floundering you guys just happened to score 12 that's game so it's like you gave them bulletin board material for no reason you fired them up and then they came out swinging in game four so that was that's a tough pill to swallow right there especially because afterwards after watching the 10-1 drubbing I had to go right about it which <laughs> you know we add some insult to injury uh, the White Sox will be back. My, my final thoughts on that would be, like, they got to, though, there's going to need to meet, they're going to have to make some upgrades during the offseason because that was not good enough. Good season, good team, that was not good enough. These Astros, though, right now are legit. Uh, you know, cheating scandal, and that's going to hang with them, as well as should. Like, there's no coming back from that. That's going to tarnish their legacy forever, and I think it should. You know, you, you, there's no there's no walking back from what they did but that being said cheating or no cheating this is a solid roster like one through nine that team is deep the starting pitching is a lot better than people give them credit for i think they have to be the favorites in the al right now that should be a good series of boston uh, i think boston's gotten hot at the right time but i still think the astros is too much depth there for them to overcome national league too how about those braves freddie freeman coming out of nowhere, you know, I mean, he's always been a good player, but this this Braves team, they won the fewest games in the regular season on any playoff team, and they beat a very good Brewers team, and the Brewers are one of my favorites to, to make a run towards the World Series. I thought they had all the ingredients there, and the Braves disposed of them pretty handily, so props to them. I think they're going to be playing the Giants. Uh, that game is tonight, so when you're listening to this, if you're listening, if you're not listening live, um, yeah, I'm going with the Giants in that that one. We'll, we'll see... Uh, who wins there? But I really like uh, Giants pitching. I'm kind of rooting for them too. I, I, you know, that's probably the team I'm rooting for the rest of this this postseason. But that should be interesting to see. But I'm going Giants as of right now. Uh, at four o'clock, October 14th, I, I got Astros Giants World Series. Uh, which actually this summer, that Chris Bryant his first game with the Giants was against the Astros. He hit a home run against them. Giants won that game and the series. That was back in the Bay Area. Uh, so that should be another, and it was a thrilling series then. I think it would be a good series now. So that's what I'm rooting for just for baseball's sake. Baseball is better when it has a sense of urgency. When it's like a winner-take-all game, it's exciting. So I highly recommend tuning in to that uh tonight. That should be that should be a, a fun one to watch. So um, uh, we will see there. Let's get in. I know. I know. This is what you guys tuned in for. This was our free money segment. We had a week off, but the week before that, we had a losing week. That was our first losing week of the season. We were one and two on the picks. There. Uh, Looking back at last week in the NFL, it's kind of it's a weird one. I think that the Chiefs are in trouble. That defense looks very, very shoddy. Not quite sure what to make of them yet. The offense looks good. Defense eh, not so much. Obviously, the Raiders keep falling out. There's that big shootout in uh, <laughs> in um, uh, the LA with the Chargers and uh, the Browns. Yeah, well, another big takeaway I had too: the Broncos, this Broncos team is a bunch of frauds. I bought in. I listened to Marshall's propaganda. And I'm like, you know what? It makes sense. This defense looks good. They are frauds. The corpse of Big Ben torched them last week. That secondary, which was supposed to be so good, whew, It was ugly. Like, Ben Roethlisberger was throwing deep balls. That's how bad it was. They look lost out there. So, you know, Marshall owes me an apology. He had me duped, and I think they were just feasting off of their poor competition early on in the season. That's not a good football team. I was almost tempted this week to take the Raiders over them. I decided not to just because of the coaching debacle right there, but that's going to be one to monitor because I don't think the Broncos are that good. I think in that division, the Chargers are going to run away with it. So, you know... uh Last time I take his advice, but yeah, I listened to the Homer about the Broncos, and I I, I was wrong. Uh, and also Dan Campbell, how about that? You see anyone see this? Dan Campbell crying after that loss? Tough luck for the guy that wanted to bite off kneecaps beginning of the year. But here you have it. Here are my three free money picks for this week. First one, I'm taking the Chargers over the Ravens. Chargers two and a half point underdogs this week. I like it. You know, I like dogs to begin with. If you look at Vegas where they have successful, people win money, you bet in the underdog. That's what the Sharps usually bet. So I try and find good underdogs each week. This is one of the most intriguing ones right here. And I know everyone's high on the Ravens. They had that improbable comeback in prime time. They got a 3-1 record. They beat the Chiefs. Yada, yada, yada. They're pulling games out their ass. Good for them but there's a lot of flaws with this team, and you can see it is not a winning formula right now. They constantly play down to their competition. They need to be bailed out by miracles. They should have a lot more losses than they do right now. The Colts are banged up, quite frankly, and they're not a good team this year, and they were sticking it to them for three-quarters of that game. On the road, mind you, too, which is a very concerning sign. Justin Herbert, meanwhile, for the Chargers, He's got 13 touchdowns, three interceptions, and he's averaging 315.2 yards per game. How about that? Sophomore slump, be damned. Uh, he's torching defenses right now. He looks really good. Uh, and meanwhile, the opposite end, you look at the uh, Ravens defense. They given up a lot of points. Everyone, Derek Carr threw for a lot of yards against them. Yeah, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes threw for a lot of yards against them last week. Carson Wentz threw 402 yards against him. He had a one. 28.5 rating. Carson Wentz is injured. He has the two knee problems. He hasn't really thrown well against anyone. That was probably his best game of the season. He played really well against that Baltimore defense on the road once again. So Justin Herbert should have no problem doing that. Uh, I'm taking that one. I'm pretty confident in. I really like the Chargers over the raids, And you're getting points too. So if it comes down to a close game, which it likely will, you're getting the two and a half point safety nets. So that one I might probably go... Uh, muddy line there but if you're going spread that's that's my favorite pick of the week uh, next we got Cowboys over the Patriots uh, Cowboys off it, don't look now but Dak Prescott he looks like an MVP candidate they are firing at all cylinders, I really like their two running back system, their one-two punch with Zeke and Pollard, they are running the ball effectively and they got so many weapons on the offensive end to throw to Amari Cooper's having a good year, you got C.D. Lamb they're able to spread the ball out really well Dak looks comfortable. Their one loss was against a very good Buccaneers team in this game I thought they could have won. Uh, Bika Parsons is a stud on the defensive side. They're forcing a lot of turnovers, too. If you look at the defense, they give up some yards, but they're forcing a lot of turnovers, which I like. And you're playing a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones. Uh, And the Cowboys also, here's another stat for that offense for you. First team since 1983, what a great year that was. White Sox from the Western Division. Uh, but the first team since 1983 to record 300 passing yards and 200 rushing yards in the same game. That's a pretty big stat uh, right there. Uh, so their offense is clicking, defense is forcing turnovers. Bill Belichick, and I hate to go this far because like, we are talking about them losing the divorce to Tom Brady the last episode, but it's starting to look like he's almost out of touch here because the defense doesn't look all that great. They're showing a lot of cracks. Their defense gave up 10.1 yards per attempt to Texans rookie Davis the Neck Mills. Their defense in the modern era got fooled by a flea flicker. Who falls for a flea flicker today? Like, come on now, a flea flicker. That's one of the oldest tricks in the book. The Patriots fell for it. Davis Mills looked like a stud. They were lucky to win that game. I think they played down to their competition there, too. Uh... Cowboys are favored by three points. I'll take those three points. Cowboys over the Patriots, minus three. I really... That's thats another one I... This it, it, Cowboys team is firing on, on all cylinders right now. Now, Bill Belichick at... There is be a little, you got to be a little wary there, because Bill Belichick still is a good coach. All right, so I don't want to completely discredit because I was just trashing his defense right now. But they they did hold Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in check. So be wary with this one. But I do out of the three, this is the one you know. If you're gonna bet through any all three, and you're like worried about that, this, this would be the one to be like, yeah. But I'd still, this one out of all the lines this week, that's one of the best. That's one of the best ones. Finally, Dolphins over the Jaguars, minus three. Now, we talked about Urban Meyer. They're a dysfunctional mess right now. Urban Meyer is a bum. Uh, his team is a bunch of scrubs. Uh, they have a 20 game losing streak. That speaks for itself. They're in London, which is kind of their second home over there, but let's be honest, that's not much of a Home field advantage in London. I don't think the Londoners really want to wake up and watch this crap. Uh, it's not a very good matchup. It's two kind of mediocre teams. So the home crowd advantage that they would have is gone. Like they don't, it's a road game technically, but it's a road game for each team. So that kind of neutralizes that. So it's going to come down to who's a better team. The Dolphins have a better roster. Not that the Dolphins are good, it's just the Jacksonville Jaguars are that bad. Uh, Tua's coming back this week, which I, I think is going to help uh, the Dolphins a lot. Generally speaking, Tua doesn't turn the ball over. Trevor Lawrence on the other hand, while well, I like him, I still think he's a good quarterback. He's working with a lot of dysfunction. Not ready to call him a bust yet. But right now at this stage in his career, he does turn the ball over a lot. He's got six touchdown passes to eight interceptions with a 73.1 or 71.3 rating. You know, that's not it's not great. I mean, it's it's not terrible, but it's not great. He turns the ball over a lot. And this Dolphins defense last year created a lot of turnovers. This is kind of their chance to you know re- regain their footing. It's a must-win game for them, too. They're falling behind in that division. They are desperate for a win. They're going to be scratching and clawing for one. I think they're coming out with a sense of urgency in this one. And then you look at the Jaguars defense. Uh, they're allowing an 115.5 passer rating, which is 31st in the league, at 9.5 yards per attempt, which is also 31st in the league. So the Jaguars defense is not good. So that's going to help out too a lot. The road is neutralized. So I really uh, like the Dolphins here over the Jaguars, minus three uh, for that one. So to recap, we got Chargers over the Ravens, plus two and a half. That's an underdog right there. Check the Chargers. They will cover uh, that. Uh, Cowboys over the Patriots. Pa- Cowboys favored, minus three. Take the Cowboys. And then the Dolphins over the Jaguars, once again, minus three. So you only giving up a field goal for both of those. So close game. That's and the way the kicking's been going, <laughs> you know. Uh, I think I think you'll be in good hands there. Looking at some of the other lines across the week that stand out, uh, you want a bonus pick here too. I really like, and this is in the college football ranks on Saturday. We were talking about them a little bit beforehand, uh, but I really let me pull up the uh, the line here. I really like Nebraska this week uh, over Minnesota. I I think Nebraska is a very solid team. Like I said, like that's a tough Michigan team and they they should have won that game they should have beaten Oklahoma on the road they should have beaten Michigan State on the road and they they had a chance to beat Michigan this week if not for and they they just find agonizing ways to lose football games they're they are very close they're making progress each week they would have won if Adrian Martinez didn't fumble on the last drive I think they were going to march down to score I think they know that they're coming out you know, after a heartbreaking loss like that, I think they're coming out a little motivated. They're favored by four and a half points. I think they win by over a touchdown against Minnesota. So, you want a bonus one for Saturday? That's one I really uh, like there. Anyway, back to the NFL uh, ranks. It's going through. There's it, really hold, not. It, it's tough this week. There's it, Chiefs and the Washington football team. The Chiefs are favored by six and a half. I. Chiefs I don't know what to make of cuz like I said their defense is so bad. Like I don't know if you can really trust them. They're not a good football team. This is the first time in a long time that I can say the Chiefs they're they're a good team. They'll beat up on the bad teams as supposed to, but that's not a Super Bowl caliber team. Like Josh Rosen and the Bills went in there. That was a statement win. They they rolled them. And that defense has been bad and what was their solution? Oh, let's go sign out let's go out and sign Josh Gordon. Uh, we can all get high in the locker room. We'll loosen up the vibe there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, lo- loosen up the vibe. We'll smoke a little weed with Josh Gordon, and that maybe that'll solve the defense. Didn't work quite so well. So that one I'd stay away from. Washington's defense isn't good either, so that'd probably be one I'd take the over on. Yeah, 50. What's the over-under on that? 40. 54.5. Hammer the over on that one. You're going to play anything, hammer the over. Taylor Heineke, gunslinging it late and against that Chiefs defense. Uh, two bad defenses. I think that one will be a shootout. Hammer the over on that one if you're gonna bet anything. Bears, Packers. I will refuse to bet against my Bears. so why I didn't pick them. But uh, that number five minus five and a half looks mighty tasty there for the Packers. I didn't say to bet for them, though. I refuse to bet against the Bears, but it's a good number there. I, I don't know what that's uh that's an interesting that's an interesting line right there. Hopefully the Bears defense can keep them in it like they did against the Razors. We shall see. Uh the lines here. Come on. Oh jeez. Alright, here we go. Back up. Um Texans Colts, minus 10. I uh, stay away from that one. Do not touch that game. Minus 10. That's way too much to give the Colts, but you really want to bet it with Davis Mills as your guy. Yeah, don't touch that one. Rams, Giants, that could be a blowout. Once again, though, my rule of thumb, double digits, it's especially in the NFL. Any team can beat anyone on any day. Stay away from that. Vikings, Panthers, if I had to lean anywhere, I'd go Vikings in that one. Minus two, taking Kirk Cousins on the road. That kind of had a stinker last week. That offense needs to right the ship. Uh, I think it's a good week to do that. Um, and there's Bengals, Lions. Here's another one. You get another bonus pick. I actually kind of like the Lions this week. Uh, I know they're 0-5. But uh, it's they're, they've they've only had really one bad game this year, and that came against the Packers. If you look at it, they've played competitive, and their offense ranks 14th in the league right now. D- Detroit does, so I mean they're not as bad as everyone thinks. I think they that's a game they could win, and the, the the spread's plus three and a half, so you're getting a field goal. So even if they do lose, I think they can keep it close. So. That would be one. I'd be. I'm intrigued by the Lions, but once again, it's one of those things. It's like, do you really want to put your hands in Detroit? If so, though, there's some pretty good value there with them. Uh, look at the other ones: Browns, Cardinals. Don't touch that game. That's two very good teams. That's a tough one to predict. I, I'm not going anywhere near that. Same with Raiders, Broncos. I want to say Raiders, but there's a coaching debacle there. Don't touch that. Steelers Seahawks, I think you gotta lean Steelers minus five and a half uh, over the Geno Smith led Seahawks, but uh, you know that's that's all I got. like. I said that's why I do these free money things, like because usually Vegas knows best. They always hand they know. They know what they're doing with these lines. They're tricky numbers to figure out. I think out of the three, I think the Dolphins, uh, Cowboys, and Chargers, that, those, are my free, those are the three favorites. So those would be the only ones I would bet this week. Personally, but if you like some of the other ones, that's who I would go to. But I also do like Nebraska this week. Hammer that one on Saturday. You want a little, little action then? Nebraska minus four and a half. I really do like Nebraska. That one that is all we have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your football weekend. Enjoy the MLB playoffs and hockey starting up too, so that should be fun. Uh yeah. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.